When it comes to weight loss, no two people are the same. That's why Noom builds personalized plans based on your unique psychology and biology. Take Brittany. After years of unsustainable diets, Noom helped her lose 20 pounds and keep it off. I was definitely in a yo-yo cycle for years of just losing weight, gaining weight, and it was exhausting. And Stephanie. She's a former D1 athlete who knew she couldn't out-train her diet, and she lost 38 pounds. My relationship to food before Noom was never consistent. And Evan, he can't stand salads, but he still lost 50 pounds with Noom. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. Even through the pickiness, Noom taught me that building better habits builds a healthier lifestyle. I'm not doing this to get to a number. I'm doing this to feel better. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom users compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Welcome to the latest episode of the Five on the Floor podcast on the Five Reasons Sports Network. I'm Ethan Skolnick. Today's episode is sponsored in part by the Seltzer Maybrick Law Firm. You can find them at onecalllegal.com. That's O-N-E, calllegal.com. They'll handle the cases from all over the state, but they're based in North Miami. They handle immigration, also personal injury, slip and fall, traffic tickets. They do sports law. They do just about everything, like I said, right there in an office, right off of I-95 just south of the Golden Glade. So the Seltzer Maverick Law Firm can be found at one, that's O-N-E, calllegal.com. Welcome to Five on the Floor, a Miami Heat and NBA podcast from Ethan Skolnick with Alphonse Sydney, a.k.a. ALF954. Brought to you by the Five Reasons Sports Network. All right, Ethan Skolnick back here with Alex Toledo. Um, apologize for some audio stuff that we've had, uh, moving around different equipment, that kind of stuff. And also apologize for my voice. Although I am only the second sickest person now in the Five on the Floor podcast team. Alphonse said he was incapable of doing this episode because he can't get out of bed. So obviously he needs a little bit more of that Riley culture. Uh, but I, I am here with Alex, and we're just going to do this, this one quickly. We've got about six or seven episodes planned based on what happened here over the past couple of days. But today I just want to strictly, you know, hold to what the Heat did, what the Heat didn't do, whether we like it, and what we think a lineup might look like now. So that's a lot, but it's a lot less than actually we've done on the list here. So I will start here with you, Alex, because you didn't agree with me. I have posted a bunch of stuff today. Uh, I really like what the Heat did. I think it could have been better if they got Gallinari. But I like what they did just in a vacuum, okay? Even not getting Gallinari, making the trade, which I can now say we, we alluded to this. I also want to give our Greg Sylvander credit. He was the first, okay, the first. Nobody else in December who was talking about Andre Iguodala to the Heat. Uh, also, he and Nakaias had in a column that they wrote earlier this week that it could be Iguodala, for Crowd, uh, Iguodala and Crowder for justice, and maybe you get rid of Dion's contract. That was pretty damn close because they ended up sending James Johnson also in the deal and getting Solomon Hill back. So basically it's what, it's what Greg said. Um, but I said basically that I, I loved what the Heat did today because it accomplished three things. It makes them somewhat stronger now because they're going to get basically two and maybe a quarter rotation players uh, in the deal for three guys that were basically between them half a rotation player. And James Johnson, since Dion and Justice were not playing for different reasons. And then it also gives them additional flexibility in 2020 
which is a very weak class, but also very few teams have money. I think there's five or six teams that have money led by Atlanta. So it's low supply, but it's also low demand. So the Heat might be able to strike or use that cap space to absorb contracts, take on a player that somebody else doesn't want, maybe for one year. So I think it's a major advantage for them. And then 2021, they preserved the cap space because basically the reason that the Gallinari deal broke down, I heard it was not not overcompensation between the teams, although uh, Sam Presti wanted a wanted the 2023 pick unprotected. He wanted the protections removed, and also he wanted a 2025 pick. But the real reason for it was that he weren't going to do that for a rental, and Gallinari uh, did not want to uh, – basically, he wanted an, you know, an extension that was going to take him past 2021, and the Heat were just not willing to do that, and so they balked at it. So I like the moves. I give the Heat an A for today. What say you? Honestly, the overall grade is hard to figure out. But there's no denying the logic in this trade. The thing that I disagreed on with you that we we're talking in the chat and you mentioned it as a home run. So that's, you know, that's a, that's a small thing. We could be just talking about like the way that we describe the trade. I do agree that it, there's a lot of logic to it, right? They got a, they found a pretty cheap way to add three guys who are good at defense. Uh, and one who was a finals MVP, obviously that was five years ago. So I don't want people to think that they're getting the Iguodala who won finals MVP. They're getting the Iguodala who's a very good defender still and who kind of gives you a facsimile of what Justice Winslow does and who's someone who has actually been there. So, yeah, it makes a lot of sense, right? And like I said, they added three guys who are good at defense, which is somewhere they've been struggling. So you added bodies, right? You got rid of guys who were giving you trouble and kind of whose roles were a little bit mixed up. There was a lot of baggage at this point with all three of them. So logically, it really does make a lot of sense. And that's not even including everything you talked about with the cap flexibility, which is probably an even bigger part of this, right? Because it's like you're going to be able to – make moves this summer if you want to on a short-term deal with maybe Danilo Gallinari, if you, but right. 2021 becomes easier to maneuver through. So there's a lot of logic to it. At the same time, it's like, uh, if we would have never heard about the Gallinari stuff, I would have felt right. slightly better right. about this trade. But still, like, I was of the camp that to not give up justice, if it's not for somebody of that caliber, like, I was already was I was already not sure about giving up justice for, for somebody of that caliber of Gallinari and Aldridge and DeRozan, right? I'm not even talking about an Iguodala. So that's why I was, like, uh, pretty much disappointed with it, right? That's because of my expectations with what they could get with Justice Winslow. But obviously, the, I think the, the thing to be said here is they kind of sold justice at one of the lowest points of his career. Not the lowest because right. we've already seen him be good. So there's more to it than maybe if you tried to trade him two, uh, two years ago. But, yeah, that, that, I think they could have gotten a little bit more, and a little bit more would have been the new. Well, well look, there's a couple things on this. Um, one, I mean, I think it is the lowest point of justice's value because I think they were done. And and I've alluded to that on Darren's podcast. They they got very frustrated with him. You know, and I said on a previous pod that, you know, I heard from not one, not two, not three, to use heat parlance, several heat executives were people inside the organization, not just executives, but staffers. Uh, who basically said justice, they, they were frustrated, justice wouldn't play when he wasn't 100%. And I think if you look right now at what's happened since the summer, they've un- Pat Riley said, I let the culture slip. I'm going to tighten the culture. Who's gone? Okay. Hassan Whiteside, who only cared about his numbers. James Johnson, who came to camp in shape, that, or at least at a weight that Pat Riley was not comfortable with. 
Dion Waiters, who had numerous, numerous issues that the team covered up until they couldn't cover them up anymore. And Justice Winslow, who I heard was not real happy with the idea of coming off the bench, but really was mostly about you know, the heat not feeling he would play when he was hurt. So you, I never thought Justice would be one of the guys who kind of got on the wrong side of the culture line. Um, the other three, I thought, were a little more possible in that regard, particularly Dion and Hassan, obviously. But four guys that didn't conform to the culture are gone. I mean, Pat basically laid down the law, and there's no sentimentality about it. Like, where this organization got in trouble in 1617 was Pat got, and I'm going to use a word he probably got, like, he got soft for him. You know, he got soft he, because he was, you know, I've said this so many times, but the big three era, like, he wanted the barbecues. He wanted everybody to stay forever with their families and all that, and he got sentimental, and everybody left unhappy, like, down to, like, the 10th man of that team. And so there was something about restoring goodwill uh, with players around the league after the way that all of that ended. And I think Pat's done a lot to, to do that with the former players. The way Bosch has been brought back, Ray Allen comes to the games now. Um, you know, I mean, I think there's, you know, Shane Batty is in the organization. Like, I mean, I think there's been a lot of fence mending that's been done, uh, you know, to make it. Dwayne, of course, is the number one fence mending thing, right? But, and, and even LeBron says really nice things about the organization. He said something today, okay, about, the, you know, Iguodala's going to a championship organization. So I think a lot of that has been repaired. But the biggest thing that, you know, that needed to happen was that he needed to show he would commit to players. He just committed to the wrong ones for too long. But they're all gone. They're all gone, Alex. Like, he took care of the whole thing. Like, it's done. Now, we can say they had to give up Justice Winslow to do it, right? They had to stretch Ryan Anderson, like, pick up Ryan Anderson and stretch him to do it. Um, they had to package a first-round pick, basically, to get rid of Whiteside, if you look at the totality of that trade. But they did it. So can we be – I guess, to me, addition by subtraction is a big thing here. Can we be happy about that? Yeah, I think if you're talking about just a big picture, there's no way you can't be happy, right? Like, first of all, they got Dwayne Wade back. Everything finished good with him, which is, you know, extremely important. Like, that could have ended all types of ways, right? We have no idea. But other than that, they got rid of everybody we thought they were going to have a lot of trouble getting rid of. And they did have a lot of trouble getting rid of these guys, right? Let's not okay. overlook it, right? But they got rid of Hassan, who was let, – let's not even include him in, in the group of – you know, Dion and JJ and Tyler Johnson, because Hassan was obviously better than those guys uh, when he was at his peak. But uh, they got rid of all of those guys, right? They, they got rid of uh, Magruder, all these names that we considered to be mediocre, right? Like, they're all gone, right? Magruder didn't have the back contract, so he doesn't belong there. But at the same time, it's like they turned all of that, what they had before that looked so mediocre, into this, which is like, okay, they're going to be really good now in the short term when maybe they're not finals good, but they're competing with the best in the conference. Not only that, you've got flexibility in the short term and the long term, and you have legitimately good young guys to be excited about and multiple of them. And guys who are mm -hmm. giving you first round pick value and even higher than that. Like Bam is an all-star in his third year. He's 22. He's just figuring out his game. Hero is already considered untouchable by the team at 19. Uh, you know, you're excited about the 24-year-old. Like, there's a lot to be happy about. So, big picture, there's no denying it. I think we only... No, well, they, tra they, tra they traded Magruder for none, basically. Like, yeah. I mean, you talk, you talk about... I mean, I, we don't even talk about that one. Yep. They traded Magruder for none. And, and the thing about it is, so everybody's like, well, okay, Justice, you could have had six, six picks from Boston. And, you know, you could have had this player or that player. Although, actually, if you look at Justice's production, even within this season this year, he was drafted about where he should have been drafted. I think... Six of the nine guys drafted ahead of him 
I have already been on, you know, a second team. Um, most of them because they've been unproductive. Like Carl Anthony Towns, obviously the guy that stands out. But also the Heat flipped Josh Richardson. It was the 40th pick for Jimmy Butler. Um, so, so I, I mean, I think they've they've so outdone themselves in terms of getting value for other players, getting Duncan Robinson for nothing, getting none for nothing except the Magruder roster spot. Um, you know, getting Bam at where they got Bam at 13, getting getting here at 14, getting Hero at 13. Uh, they've done. So those areas that it doesn't what's happened in terms of justice so okay so you sold low on justice it's to me it's offset by everything else now it's like is it like okay is it ideal no that i want justice to become something better here to use a use a miami heat beat term yes you know could you have had devin booker of course okay but i think when you look at the totality of it um you put yourselves in good position all right after the break um, I want to get to what this team looks like now, okay? Um, and I also – I got one more question for you on today, which is would you have extended Danilo Gallinari to get that deal done? But our today's episode sponsored in part as well by BetDSI.com. Go to BetDSI.com and use the promo code 5101. That's F-I-V-101. Football is over, but you can still bet basketball. You can bet hockey. We've got spring training starting up, so get in on the futures, all those numbers. And if you use 5101, you will get a bonus, which obviously when you're gambling, some things can go wrong. So you want to have a little bit more money to play with. So use the promo code. You got to enter it when you start. 5101. Again, that's F I V E 101. On Three Yards with Carrie, we give you the finest in football analysis of your Miami Dolphins. And occasionally, Simon Clancy will say something like this This Tua news is. They're, they're playing a game on Sunday. I mean, literally, there's nothing that I just had. If Charlie yeah, Steeron, I, I forgot was there break, was a game. If Charlie Steeron was to break down my front door and say, "I want you to fuck me with a massive cucumber," I'd be like, "That's still not as good a news as I've just had about the tug of eyeliners." This episode is going to, is going to be epic, and that, as far as uh, reviews from our from our listeners, I will say this because everybody. Oh, likes there's, a knock, there's a knock at my door. There's a knock at my door. It's probably Charlie's. <laughs> I haven't even got a cucumber. So listen to Three Yards Per Carry on the Five Reason Sports Network, on Podbean, on iTunes, Spotify, or whoever is your favorite podcast provider. All right, back here on Five on the Floor, Ethan Skolnick with Alex Toledo, Alphonse Sydney, not joining us because um, he doesn't fit the culture. He does not play hurt. Uh, but everybody gets your flu shots. Um, go out and do that. We've got a little bit of news before we get to the next part of this podcast, Alex. Dion Waiters is not being kept by the Memphis Grizzlies. Shocker. Uh, he is being cut loose, and so he will be free to sign with any team, I believe. And I would like to see him on the Lakers. Um, I, th- I think Clutch should get another one there. I, I want to see those KCP Dion Waiters lineups together with LeBron. I want to see Dion calling for the ball, LeBron not passing to him, like I used to see up in Cleveland for those two months. Is, is that the perfect landing spot for Dion, you think? Honestly, I can't think of a better one just off the top of my head. Like, we got to see that on the national stage. Please, please, NBA. If you're going to rig anything, rig Dion to the Lakers, all right? No, but seriously, you got to question Alfs. Does he want it? Does he want to be here? We, we might have to send him nah, to he, is over here. He, he doesn't have five on the floor culture. I, I think, you know, we'll have to. I mean, I, the problem is I drafted too many guys from Heat Beat. Um, and so I, I'm going to have to draft from Locked On, I think, from now on. because It's, like, it's a crapshoot. Yeah, the heat, I mean, sometimes you get an Alex and sometimes you get an Alex. You don't know what's going to happen. All right, let's get to two, two more things here. 
Maybe, well, maybe. Yeah, that's true. I right, let's let's get to uh, we'll get to the bigger percentage. All right, let's get to um, the next part of this. We have got two more things to do. Danilo Gallinari. Now, I texted a couple agents today. I said, if you were his agent, would you um, would you take a just a one year extension beyond this, right? So take yourself into 2021. Uh, and they said they would because um, basically they don't think on the open market this year that he's going to make more than $18 million, which was the number because there were only until the heat opened it up today as coming into there were like five or six teams with any space and only Atlanta has significant space. And as the agent sent to me, Atlanta's not going to give him 18 million a year. So the other question, you know, Danilo wanted money, wanted three years. He wanted basically this year plus two, that would take him past 2021. Would you have been comfortable? The heat extended Iguodala, but they only extended him into. Our bodies come in different shapes and sizes. So doesn't it make sense that our weight loss plans should too? That's the beauty of Noom. They build a personal plan that factors in dietary restrictions, medical issues, and other personal needs so your plan works for you. Noom doesn't restrict or shame when you want to treat yourself. Their flexible program focuses on progress instead of perfection. You don't have to give up carbs or anything. And with their daily lessons, you can learn something new about your food choices every day. After just a few days of using the app, I learned how to recognize cues for overeating and how to choose the right foods to feel full. Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com. And check out Noom's first ever cookbook, The Noom Kitchen, for 100 healthy and delicious recipes to promote better living. Available to buy now wherever books are sold. 2021, not past it. Would you have been comfortable giving? Are they going to regret not extending Danilo uh, past 2021 so that they could get him here? I think, if anything, Danilo and his team are going to regret not taking on the two year extension with the third year partially guaranteed. Because at this point, it's like, what are you going to get this summer, right? Who are the teams of space? They're all teams that are losing. And one of them just mm-hmm. took on Andre Drummond today. So, like, you think they're going to trade? Obviously, they didn't have to give up much to get Drummond, but you think they're going to trade him to not sign him this summer? So I think, like, what are you really holding out for? Unless it's 2021 or or you really think that you have an offer for, uh, for like, a four-year deal, then I completely understand that. But if you're just going to test out the market and you don't know anything ahead of time, I really don't understand it, especially, like, you're getting at least a partial guarantee in the third year. That's just gravy because he knows he would get signed if he were to get dropped, right? Like, he's not... I, I think his camp, and obviously I'm not an agent, so I, I don't, I'm not going to act like I know more than them, but it, it, it confuses me because he could have gotten the two years guaranteed on a good team in a good situation where he wouldn't have to be dependent on to be really the best scorer, best shooter. Like they have every, they already have a good offense and he, he can miss games. Like there's no pressure on him. And I think he could have been in Miami and now like you don't know where, he, where you're going to go unless, like I said, they do have a four-year offer. Other than that, it doesn't make sense to me. It really doesn't. Well, the other thing that doesn't make a lot of sense to me, and maybe I'm missing something, because OKC fans seem to be out there saying that uh, they were fine with Presti staying put. What was the advantage for Oklahoma City for not making a deal? I, I don't really get it. Like, he's a free agent at the end of the year, right? You're not keeping him, most likely. I mean, I don't know. What if they? What if you could keep him? Like, what if you're the team that just gives him a four-year deal, like a, a solid number, and he's just tradable for the next few years because any team would want to trade for him? And I think, like, they're a seven-seed in the West, almost 
a kind of mm-hmm. almost the lock for it at this point, at least a seven. Right. Right. So I think like if they were like kind of in the race for the eighth, along with the Grizzlies and the Spurs, Pelicans, et cetera, it would have been a lot easier for them to sell. But the team is actually good. Uh, so I get why they were holding out and I get why they wanted the 2025 first. It's only good business from Presti and we know he's good at making trades, uh, except the James Harden one. But, um, <laughs> well, that wasn't really, I mean, what, what was he going to do? Right. Like what was, what was he going to do with the James Harden? I mean, Harden trade, the, the, trade, the, well, the trade was if you have to. Well, no, no, the trade, <laughs> oh, no, I understand. Well, they picked the box up over him. I, I get it. But then it ultimately it came down to the owner. And $3 million. I mean, that's what it came down to. I mean, you, you're one of the richest men in the country. You didn't want to that spend $3 the, million. Dollars. That was the first the first strike. <laughs> Little did we know well, that all three of them would be gone. <laughs> and that they right, wouldn't spend anything. Like, what a story. Uh, it, it's incredible that they never won anything. That, that has to be the most – there are other teams that should have won, like the Suns with the Nash teams that should have won. But they've got to be the most talented team. Yeah, Portland probably should have won. Maybe with, even uh, one of those teams from the 90s. Yeah. <laughs> the, the Sacramento Jazz. should have won. A lot, a lot of those teams should have won, but but the team that had the most talent that didn't win was OKC. Um, it, it, I, I love that because it's like there's always that 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 uh, photo that goes around Twitter with the three of them. It's like um, you know what do you say to this trio? If you find a better trio, and it's, everybody's like Heat, Heat, and five, you know, because that's basically what it was. Um, and so yeah, that, it's one of those incredible trios that didn't work out. All right, next thing we're gonna get to uh, before we close. And again, we have other podcasts. We're going to get to other topics. Who starts? Does the starting lineup change? Because it was gonna, it was gonna if they got Gallinari, because uh, he was gonna replace Myers in the starting lineup. But now, when Myers is back, he's not on the road trip, so I'm not expecting to see him anytime soon. Does he start? Or does Jay Crowder start? Oh no, I don't think they're gonna bench Myers for Jay Crowder. Like you go and look at Jay Crowder's numbers; he's been. <laughs> Firmly a back-end rotation player by his production, by his efficiency, by everything. Like, his defense has kind of just been okay. And obviously, like, the Grizzlies have been good. So, you could say, well, at least he was contributing to a good team. But he was shooting 30% from three. And, like, I was comparing Gallinari's defensive numbers to Crowder's. And they were <laughs> they were neck and neck, Ethan. I'm like, <laughs> mm, that, that, like that, I don't think that, it's a big deal. Yeah. But, like, Crowder, he he's not expected to be a shutdown defender. Like, they already have other good defenders. I think Iguodala is the, the one that needs to really be a very good defender and also be passable on offense. But Crowder, like, if, I think he's gravy at this point. If, if he ends up being, like, a 34% three-point shooter and is able to be, like, solid on defense. Because I think – the Heat are really good at getting guys to be better on defense than they were in previous stops. And so I think it'll be a little bit easier on him to be a good 3 and D guy here. They've wanted him uh, for a while. Like, like this is not a new target. And of course, there's a Dwayne relationship there, too. It's interesting. i got to do a little explanation on this. Isn't there, like, some negative history between him and Jimmy? I, I, I know everybody makes the Marquette connection, but I, yeah, I, I was trying to figure that out. Uh, yeah, I saw. I thought there was something. I maybe I'm missing it. Maybe one of our listeners can get to it. I, I'm, I think they got into it like during games. Right, right. Uh, yeah, I just I just remember that that I was it always surprised me because you know there, I mean there are really three players of note that have come from that school in the last twenty years, and there are two of them. And and so I, I just it was kind of surprising to me when I saw it. Oh look, uh, you want to hear something? It. So yes. I just quick Google, look at this headline: Dwayne Wade calls Jimmy Butler, Jay Crowder, Twitter trash talk a little. Quote, Marquette family affair. 
Okay, so there it is. That's what well, it was. Maybe they don't think it's a deal. It's just competition bringing out trash talk. I'm sure that's what they're going to say about it because you know it's going to get asked. Oh, of course it's going to get asked. But, but the reality is Jay Crowder fits here. Like his personality fits here. Like that's I, – I, I, he'll fit right in. I, I think in losing James Johnson, Jay Crowder becomes the replacement for a little bit of that. I, the only reason I said that I thought there was a chance that Jay ends up in the starting lineup eventually – I don't think Iguodala will, by the way. Like I, I, what I was told about what, how they see Iguodala is that Duncan Robinson is going to start. They're not going to change anything there. But some of the problems we've talked about with Duncan late in games, there's going to be a lot of either offense, defense, or Andre is just going to play those minutes, uh, depending yeah, think, on where they are in games. I think it makes a lot of sense for him to come off the bench, especially since he hasn't played basketball since last June. Mm-hmm. And you know, right. an older guy, he's coming off of five straight finals trips, and he was putting in a lot of minutes and a lot of uh, defensive minutes on, on the likes of LeBron, right? Like, he, right. He, he's he got to run on it. So I like them bringing him off the bench. I think it's going to help solidify that bench unit with Goran and Hero. Uh, it should make it easier on Kelly as well uh, because, you mm-hmm. know, and Derek Jones, right? Because you get another solid defender in there where J.J. was kind of erratic. I think Iguodala is a little bit more stable on a night-to-night basis. But the other thing is, like, uh, I don't know, man. I think, like, you basically get to keep everything going that you have going well for you in the starting lineup while also adding guys who you know can close for you. But um, right. do you want me to give you the background on this beef? Because it's pretty funny. <laughs> Give me the background of the beat. Okay, basically, it was from when Jimmy was on Minnesota. They were going back and forth for the Jazz. Rubio got into it with Teague, and then Jimmy tweeted something. <laughs> he said, I haven't used Twitter in years. But, yeah, Jeff, that's what I like to see, Rubio getting up quick for no reason because Rubio got up like he was going to do something to Jeff Teague. So Jimmy tweeted that, uh, and he said, Jay, get away from my coach. You don't want no smoke either. And uh, this was in March 2018, but then – Jay Crowder quotes this and says, in all caps, because this is how Jay Crowder tweets, if you don't already know. He says, I don't Twitter beef. I'll leave that to you. But you got my phone number and know my home address. The rest can be history. <laughs> some emojis, some exclamation points thrown around here. And then Dwayne Wade just quote tweeted and said, just a little Marquette family affair. <laughs> with I remember. See, that's what I remember. I, I thought there was something. It's probably, like I said, probably a total overreaction by everybody. And I'm sure they'll be fine. I, I, I don't think. And those Celtics I, I series. Well, right. I, right. I can tell you that um, that uh, folks around Jimmy were happy with the trades. So I, I, I don't think there's going to be any issue there. Um, obviously, Danilo would have taken this to another level. But so I'm that, with the Heat. He, sorry. So we know that Jimmy, Jimmy and Bam were happy that Derek Jones Jr. is still on the team, huh? Yes. Yeah. So, so that's the other thing uh, that Leif and I, uh, Greg Slavander and I reported uh, earlier today. Um, the Heat. Uh, basically assured Derek Jones Jr. He was not going to be moved. Um, and, and I think if you know the relationship between Bam and DJJ, it's pretty much his closest friend on the team. Uh, it, it was pretty well known that, that Derek was not going to get traded. And not only that, but that they were making moves with the idea in mind that they would have the flexibility to re-sign Derek Jones Jr. And now they do. Um, and, you know, they'll have decisions. They'll have, well, they'll have decisions to make on him and Goran and on Myers. But they can do something with Derek Jones Jr. if they want to. This gives them options to decide who they want to keep. And that's why, like I said, I think this is a very good trade deadline for the Heat. Could have been better? Yes. But I think if they make the move for Gallinari and extend him, and then he gets hurt again, then you've made a bad move. And, and so I, I don't – this is – I say it, I'll say it a million times. This is not about 
getting a Danilo Gallinari, ultimately. You know, he's a really good player. This is about getting a Giannis, or I think we can throw this name in the mix now, and we'll close here, and Anthony Davis, because there's going to be, if things blow up with L.A., and we don't know what's going to happen, and of course he's a Rich Paul client, which is not ideal. The Lakers have been the best team in the league besides the Milwaukee Bucks. (laughs) They have, but if it all blows up and say A.D. doesn't want to be there, and I think he will be. I honestly think, I think this is wishful thinking. But the Heat will be one of the few teams with money and maybe the only attractive one. So, Can I ask you a question before we go? Get him in the room, that's all. What's that? Yeah, of course. And they, they're always trying to get people in the room, and we already know they got cap space for the summer now. I think they're, they're going to have about $27 million and they can get a little bit more if they do some stuff with Kelly and Casey Alcala. But what I am going to ask you is, well, okay, so I'm going to set it up like this. Whereas I differ with you is that you, you kind of have this trade as an A where I have it as maybe a B to B plus, considering all the other factors, because I think they kind of ended up bungling Justice potential after we saw how good he could have been. It's not, it's not a big difference, I think, because I, I mostly agree that it makes a lot of sense for the big picture of this team. But I, I would have really liked the combo of Gallinari and Iguodala because he would have gotten the second score as well as a great defender. And also they played together in Denver. So uh, how, what I'm concerned about with your opinion is, would your grade not have changed with the Gallinari uh, <laughs> acquiring? Uh, no, no, I know. I, I think my grade. I, I think my grade on it. Um, again, I can't blame them for the Gallinari move not happening. I mean, I, because I mean, they. I was fine with the compensation that they were throwing at them. You, you don't think they so could have jumped at the risk of taking three years and hoping and praying that he was tradable I, I, in the last season? I, I, I don't know if you want to be in that position again. And not that he has any like character marks against him, but he's got he he has injury marks. Against injury marks. I love it. I like him as a player. I, I would. You know what? It's crazy. And I, I'll have to find out what actually happened. I would have preferred him as a rental than to a three-year guy. Okay? I think the problem because I was saying the same thing on Twitter, but the problem was I I found out after that even to get him as a rental, they would have still needed to include that twenty twenty-five. Right, right. The protection. But I still would have preferred that. I mean, the, the ideal scenario was add a year, make it 2021. The other two solutions to me were iffy, but I would have chosen the rental instead. So you would have removed the protections and given the pick for a rental. Right. I, I, I would have considered it. I don't know that I would have done it, but I would have considered it. The one thing I didn't want to do was go into 20. I just, I don't. We've, we've had a conversation about Drew Holiday and whether we want to do it. You want to do it for Gallinari? I would have done Drew um, over Gallo, that's for sure. You already know my feelings on that. But I think it's a right, similar type so. of concept, right? It's a philosophy thing where it's like the Heat have been known to take these types of risks before. Like, we thought all of these guys would be untradeable, right? Like, we can't make Drew tradable. They can make anybody tradable. But, but, but Drew tends to be – has tended to be – and I know he's missed some time, but has tended to be more healthy than Gallinari over the years. And so I would have – I would have and, and also – he fulfills – Drew fulfills a bigger need. He's a two-way player um, and, and a ball handler. I mean, Danilo's a really good scorer, shooter. As you said, if you get average defense out of him, you're pretty good with that. I, I, I would have – for Drew, we've had this conversation. I don't want to have it again. Uh, for, but but I, I would have been more inclined to do something like that for Drew than for Danilo. That's all. And so I, sure. I'm fine with them standing – I'm fine with them holding the line. They have shown restraint. Everybody, including myself, wanted them to go get Westbrook. Everybody but Alf. I think that they made the right decision. One they more didn't. thing. But this obviously shows 
that they know something about 2021, right? And I'm not even talking about Giannis here. Like, I think they've got some. I've been saying that all along. I've been saying that all along. Like, this is what I'm saying is that that this just goes into the pattern, right? Like, it's another indicator that they're pretty confident about 2021. Like, they don't want to even. They're not going to give up the space. They're not going to touch the space because they know that players want to play down there now. Okay. The way it was put to me was, so I'm always like, you know, even the Draymond pursuit, which was real. I'm like, you know, all these guys, they could have just drafted. Draymond was there for them to draft. I wrote a column on draft night. They should have drafted Draymond. Tim Hardaway wanted to draft Draymond, but Pat didn't think he was in shape. Okay. They could have drafted Jimmy. <laughs> they traded up to take, they traded up to take Norris Cole instead. All right. Or they jumped hey, the two spot rings. To take Oh yeah, fine. Okay. So, but they did all these things and it's like, well, okay. So they end up paying maxes for guys that you could have just had in the draft. And the way it was put to me was, yeah, but they get the player after somebody else has to waste the time developing them and see if they're any good. And then Pat knows they'll probably get the guy later. And that's basically the whole idea here. And so, yeah, they know that they're going to get somebody in 2021. I don't know if it's going to be Oladipo. I don't know if it's going to be Beal. I don't know if it's going to be Giannis. I don't know. Maybe the things don't work out with Kawhi, although I think they will. But there's going to be there's going to be players there, and they want to keep the cap space open. And we're going to close the episode. So we've got more episodes to come to in the next couple of days. Um, I do want to get to farewells on JJ and Dion, and we'll have some fun with it and Justice as well. Obviously, we did a little of that last night. But um, that's it for today's Five on the Floor. Thank you for listening to the Five on the Floor on the Five Regional Sports Network. Ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org.